In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <coughs> If uh, you have been living under a rock for the last two or three years and crawled out from under your rock this morning to come to church and have listened to the gospel lesson, you probably think it's Palm Sunday. <laughs> you know, I don't know who uh, came up with the lectionaries that we read, the, the, the scriptures we read every Sunday, but sometimes it can be something of a mystery. Now, most of the time, you know, it fits right in, but sometimes you scratch your head and you think, what were they thinking? This time, however, it does fit because we need to remember what Advent actually is. Advent isn't just Christmas. Advent, the word means coming. And yes, it means the coming of Jesus as a baby in the manger, but it also means the coming of Jesus in any time, in any place, and in any way in this world of ours. It means Jesus coming riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. It may mean Jesus coming and teaching the people by the Sea of Galilee. It may mean Jesus coming into a man's home to heal his daughter. And also, it means Jesus Today, coming into our hearts to live and to dwell with us as we are right now. Advent. It's about the power of Jesus working in our world. It's about, actually, it's about that inevitability that Jesus is working in our world. That unstoppable nature of Jesus and his gospel in, in our lives today. Years ago, actually I think it may have been all the way back during sometime during the Cold War, uh, I saw a news article. It was about a group of people that were suing one of the railroads. And what had happened was that they were protesting a train that was carrying nuclear materials to a defense plant to manufacture into nuclear weapons. And uh, they were out there to protest, and some of the some of the protesters lay down on the railroad track to protest and to stop the train. I don't remember now whether anyone was killed, but I do remember that there were grievous injuries. And they were now suing the railroad because the railroad didn't stop because they laid down on the tracks. And I thought to myself, are these people idiots? Did work. Were they sick at home when they studied about inertia in school? Some things just can't be stopped. All three, all four of the Gospels have this story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the donkey. But Luke has, has, a, has, a, has an addition that none of the other Gospels have. As Jesus is coming into the, the, the into Jerusalem, and the disciples are waving their palm branches and strewing them out on the ground along with their clothes, so the donkey isn't walking just on the dirt, and they're they're saying, "Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord." 
He's coming as a king. And there are Pharisees in the group that are getting nervous about this. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, rebuke your disciples. Tell your disciples to hush. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, I tell you, if my disciples are silent, the very rocks will cry out. Some things just can't be stopped. Oh, they tried to stop Jesus. They killed him on Friday by nailing him to the cross. But by Sunday, the tomb was empty. Some things just can't be stopped. Later, his disciples would spread the word about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the authorities would arrest Peter and John. They would arrest them for preaching about Jesus and also for healing people in his name. The high priest asked them, by what power are you healing these people? And Peter tells about Jesus. Peter says, Jesus is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Then the rulers gave strict orders to stop teaching, stop healing in the name of Jesus. But then Peter answered, we must obey God rather than men. They imprisoned the apostles. They beat the apostles. They threatened the apostles. But they kept on preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because some things just can't be stopped. Paul described himself at one point as being a Pharisee of Pharisees. And this Pharisee of Pharisees was on a mission to destroy this movement that followed Jesus Christ. Now as a young man, Paul had, uh, Paul had been part of the group that had stoned Stephen to death, the first Christian martyr. And in the book of Acts, it tells us that Paul was ravaging the church of Christ going from house to house, dragging off Christians, both men and women, and putting them in prison. He was on his way to Damascus when it happened. He was going to Damascus to haul off Christians back to Jerusalem to throw them in prison and worse. And there was a blinding light, the voice from heaven, and the most committed persecutor of Christians became the most committed spreader of the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. Some things just can't be stopped. For three centuries, the Roman Empire would try to destroy and exterminate Christianity. They imprisoned Christians. They tortured Christians. They killed Christians, mostly in very horrible ways. But the church kept growing. The gospel of Jesus kept spreading. Some things can't be stopped. I uh, knew a minister a long time ago. 
Uh, he didn't quite fit the mold way back then. Back then, uh, the, the normal course for going into the ministry was when you got out of college, you went to seminary, and then you were ordained into the ministry. This guy, though, was, oh, he was in his later, later 30s. And uh, if you ask him how he came to be a minister, he would tell you, well, I, uh, I had a wonderful career. I had a wonderful family. Everything was just going magnificently. But way down deep, there was this gnawing within me that I ought to be doing more for the Lord. I ought to be going into ministry. And I kept saying, nah, nah, things are good. But he kept gnawing at me. Why should I give up my career, uproot my family, go to another city, spend three, four years struggling in seminary? Why should I do that? But he kept gnawing in me. He said, finally, I closed out my business affairs. I moved my family, went to seminary. And then was ordained. He said, you know, the call to ministry is kind of like throwing up. <laughs> you can only put it off for so long. <laughs> now, my, my rather indelicate friend may very well have said, some things just can't be stopped. I once knew a woman named Dawn Dawn. Dawn was not shy about telling people that she was a Christian. She was also not shy about telling people that she hadn't always been a Christian. In fact, she had been a heathen all her life, her word, heathen. And she also would tell about her rather sordid background. In fact, when I knew Dawn, she was still pretty rough around the edges. If you ask Dawn how she became a Christian, she would tell you, well, it was an idle moment. I was rather bored, actually, and there was a Bible here. And I picked up the Bible and I started reading. I started reading at Genesis, and I ended up reading the entire Bible. And by the time I finished, I was a Christian. Now, I can think of a lot of places in the Bible that's pretty hard going, even for experts. Places where you really want to just give it up. But Dawn started reading the Bible at Genesis, and she read the Bible all the way through. Some things just can't be stopped. We all have our own stories. Some are dramatic. Some, not so dramatic. Some of us, it's a story about how we became a Christian like Don. Others, we were born in the church. We are always Christian. But we still have our stories about how our faith matured, developed, deepened. Some of our stories involve crisis of faith where it looked for a while anyway like we had lost our faith, but that's part of our story as well because we have to go through those crises in order to come into a deeper relationship with Jesus. When I first came to this church, I loved to listen 
to people's stories about how they came to this to be in this particular church. One of my favorites was Greg Pippen's story. Now, if you've been coming on the last year or two or so, you don't know Greg Pippen. Uh, he and his family moved away a couple of years ago. Waco, didn't they go? I think they went to Waco. But Greg Pippen grew up a Baptist, and he went on a Baptist mission trip to Russia. And when Greg came back from Russia from his Baptist mission trip, he was Orthodox. <laughs> and had an Orthodox wife. Now, I may have simplified that story a little bit, but that's pretty much it. Whatever our story is, really is the story of Jesus Christ and how He is working in our lives. <coughs> how we are coming into a deeper relationship with Him. How He is changing us to conform more and more to His image. It's a process. For some folks, it's a quick process. That's what happened to Paul anyway. Most of us, though, no, it's a slow process. Sometimes we don't even know it's happening until we look back at our previous years and we, we can see where this and this and this and this happened to bring us into a more mature faith, a more close, a closer relationship with Jesus. But whether it's slow or fast, when we put ourselves into the love and care of Jesus Christ, when we put ourselves into His service, when we make ourselves His, we will begin to change. It's inevitable that we will change. We will be changed in the very image of Jesus Christ. Because some things just can't be stopped. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.